part of that too is our freshman class. I mean, a lot of times you worry about freshmen coming in and how well do they adjust, whether they got here in January or whether they got here at the end of May. And um, regardless of when they got here, our freshman class has been fantastic as far as uh, what they've done as well to contribute to this team in a short period of time. And we're going to need a lot of them on the field this summer as well. But uh, our guys got back here <clears throat> Memorial Day night and we had a team meeting that night and started workouts the very next morning. And uh, we've gotten better as a football team. There's no doubt in my mind this summer. All right. Welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official game, or the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. And that was Shane Beamer yesterday at the South Carolina Media Days, which open up fall camp. Uh, we saw a little bit of the first seven periods of the first practice of fall camp this morning. Um, I'm sure we got tons of insight on <laughs> on that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's here where we made it. It's August 4th. Um, yep. There will be a football game played in under 30 days uh, between South Carolina and North Carolina. And we're going to start to break down what the season's looking like, what the team's looking like at this point, injury updates, all those fun things. But before we get to that, let's talk about recruiting because that's also pretty fun right now. Been um, a pretty big week for that too, yeah. So we did not do the podcast last week. Uh, I was on vacation one, trying to get one more in before uh, the grind really started. But I did post the weekly recruiting wrap-up on GameCox2.com as I do every week. So make sure you're subscribed there so that you can get that insight. Um, and if you saw that last week, you saw the big list of cookout visitors, including five-star Dylan Stewart, also including uh, four-star Julius Solomon, who makes his announcement tomorrow. So keep your eyes out for that one. And then a big list of 2025 and 2026 players, including Elijah Griffin, who is the number one overall recruit in the rivals rankings out of Savannah, Georgia. It's another edge player um, that South Carolina, I mean, seems to have some staying power with, has some early momentum with for sure. Um, but not to bury the lead, um, Tuesday coming out of the cookout weekend, Dylan Stewart surprised everyone and went ahead and made his announcement public. Uh, we knew it was coming at some point before his senior season began. Uh, chose South Carolina. Really can't overstate how big of an impact that was. Also, that was following up Sunday's announcement by Samarian Lang, who's rated a four-star on Rivals. He's classified as an athlete, but he'll probably start at wide receiver once he arrives on campus at South Carolina. Um, so after a pretty slow summer from a recruiting standpoint, you get that little, those four and five-star back-to-back uh, to inject some momentum back into this process. I believe they jumped from like 40th to 27th in the team rankings. And if you filter by average stars, they're actually in the top 10 at this point, um, which, yeah, the team rankings perhaps are not the clearest indicator at this point because it seems clear to us that South Carolina is going to take a smaller than normal class. Uh, it's sitting at, what, 15 commits right now? 15, yeah, 24 yeah. last year, yeah. Yeah, probably won't hit that 24 number uh, this year. Um, I think that's somewhat intentional to leave some flexibility in the transfer portal and all of that. And they've been just a little bit more, um, not, this isn't to say anything about the quality of the players in previous classes or anything like that, but I think they've been a little bit more choosy. Um, and if they don't land the top guy at the position that they want, they haven't 
necessarily gone down uh, just to fill a hole there. Um, so yeah, most of the recruits so far are four or five stars um, and really more than you, you would even think because you have a punter in Mason Love who obviously is going to be a three-star on Rivals, but he's a five-star on kicking services. Um, so re really this class is coming together uh, in a major way and obviously Dylan Stewart does a lot for that. I know some South Carolina fans are going to be disappointed uh, in the wide receiver, the way the wide receiver recruiting has gone. Um, Keelan Adams, you missed that on earlier in July. Jonathan Paylor is set to announce later today. And uh, if you, you know, check out what I've said about that recently on GameCocksCoop.com, you know, I'm not feeling particularly rosy about that outlook either. Um, but I think we've also seen at least the wide receiver position that South Carolina has done a good job in the transfer portal every offseason at kind of filling holes. Antoine Wells came from the transfer portal. portal. Uh, Corey Rucker did last year. We didn't get to see what he really could do, but by all means, that was a pretty good add. I think he just got injured and it never quite materialized. Um, Eddie Lewis this past offseason. Uh, you got other pass catchers like Trey Knox and uh, Joshua Simon. So I, I, I think they're going to be okay uh, there. And then you did add some quality wide receivers in the 2024 class with Mazio Bennett and some Marion Lang. Um, and we'll see, you know, if someone uh, arrives late, like uh, last year, uh, Edwin Joseph, Edwin Joseph. Yeah. Um, got added at the very end in state guy. And we've actually heard a lot of positive returns uh, this off season about his workouts and stuff as well. So that actually might end up, being a being a still there so i think the wide receiver room is going to be fine is what i guess my overall point is and i think in general we should feel pretty rosy about the recruiting um also i encourage you to check out gamecocksgroup.com around 6 p.m tonight uh that's how i'll tease it but we might uh have a little bit of a look ahead at some how some of the uh coming classes 2025 2026 um, are going to begin to play out as well as soon as tonight, uh, which is crazy to say because that's a freshman in high school, or I guess about yep. to be a freshman in high school. But you know, uh, you uh, comes quick. You know, you know when you know. Yeah. Um, all right. So the last thing I'll say about recruiting, uh, as far as what you're getting in Dylan Stewart, I'm sure you know a lot of people have already broken this down we broke this down uh on gameboxcoop.com the day after with a, a film study from perry mccarty from what i can tell um he's probably the best pure pass rusher that you've landed assuming that you make it all the way to the finish line here that you've landed um maybe since Clowney. um i know birch was the highest rated uh since Clowney, and birch was rated a little bit higher than stewart is at this point but Birch wasn't the same, like, pure explosive athlete off the edge that, that Dylan Stewart is. It's more the bull rush type. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dylan Stewart is spending some time uh, in high school playing uh, linebacker, playing inside and outside, um, and playing edge. And, yeah, I mean, he's just a very quick guy for how giant he is. So I think that's going to end up being a really big – uh, addition at a position of need, which we've talked about a lot uh, over the past offseason, really. Um, that's all I got on recruiting right now. Like I said, you probably want to check out GameCocksCoop.com around 6 p.m. tonight. That's all I'll say on that one. Um, all right, let's get into some actual football, though. So yesterday was media days. 
Um, I played that clip there at the beginning of the show of Beamer talking about the incoming freshman. I know a lot of people probably have a lot of questions about um, who's going to make an impact in their first year. We have some obvious names like Nicholas Harbour, who we've talked a good, good bit about. Good bit about. Um, as I said, Edwin Joseph has come along. We've talked about Lenora Sellers. Um, let's start there, I guess. What are you? What did you pick up from yesterday at media day? What did you see at practice today? As far as the freshmen, anyone maybe uh, taking on a role earlier than we might expect? Anyone come in look college ready, even though you know they've only been out of high school a few months? Yeah, I think the college ready thing is kind of the point there. It's it's such an eye test thing. You know, you're watching seven periods of practice that are all like four to six minutes each. And one of them's a stretch and another one's just special teams coverage. So like, what are you actually seeing? You're more just looking at body type mainly. Um, Pop Howard looks like a division one SEC linebacker. Like that's just, us. just start there. Nicholas Harbour. I know that kind of went around Twitter today as people posting pictures of him. Like, yeah, he looks like a division one player. He looks like a five-star um, Xavier McLeod. He looks like a, he looks like a guy who can play in the SEC. Um, you don't know what that's going to look like when they're taking snaps. You don't know what that's going to look like on the field, but there's a, it just looks bigger. Shane talked about that a little bit yesterday. He mentioned, um, I have, I have a tidbit. I have a story in it on gamecockscoop.com. Just subscribe, just kind of some takeaways from yesterday. And one of the things he said was that I believe it was 31 players who ran faster than they ever have before. Like, you know, in the time practice and also that their average squat and bench press them all up across the board. So, you know what? That that's summer talk. That's I got a quote from Clayton White where he basically said, "Everyone thinks they had a good summer. Everyone thinks they're doing well. Everyone's optimistic, and someone's going to go two and ten and one and eleven. That's how college football works." Which I thought was fair from Clayton, but also I think there is a belief that there was a good summer here, at least from a physical standpoint. You see how that translates into actual football things. Yeah, so I mean, that's not particularly surprising either, right, that uh, we're going to start to see more impact from freshmen as uh, Beamer and, and company have kind of gotten their recruiting in place. I just want to kind of give you a quick rundown of what the recruiting ranks have looked like since uh, Beamer arrived. So the class of 2021 class, you know, very small, hard to get that fully together, was 74th in the team rankings, 2022. Uh, moved up a good bit to 26th. Uh, and then this incoming freshman class uh, last year, class of 2023, was the highest ranked of the Beamer era so far at 17th. Um, we'll see if 2024 can exceed that. I think it should exceed that from an average star ranking uh, perspective, but because you're not going to have the same number of total commitments, maybe not. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not surprising. Like this was the highest rated class. Uh, it's not surprising to see more of those four and five star kids show up uh, ready to play. Um, another name that stood out to me this morning, uh, we saw Tosin Babalade, yep. Big Tree. Um, we saw- second, second group left tackle. Yeah, Tro Trovon Ball. And we saw Marky Anderson all kind of working into uh, that second group at O-line. And we know because of the depth issues at O-line right now that probably Maybe all three of those guys, at least one of those three guys, is going to have to play some. You're, you're playing more than five. I think it's almost non-negotiable at this point that whatever first five you run out there for that first snap against North Carolina is not your five on the second drive, second week, set third, whatever. It's just going to you're going to have to play more than five. 
Um, and then perhaps another name to target uh, as far as the freshmen go. We've talked a little bit about DJ Braswell at running back, another position of need, but also Cameron Sandlin, who we hinted at, I think, in the spring or over the summer at some point. Uh, we had heard that he was getting some looks at running back. Seems like he's going to start there uh, as his official position. Uh, he was brought in as a tight end. He played quarterback in high school, uh, and he ran the ball a lot as a quarterback in high school. So, um, you know, there's there's still a lot of room to mold him into a running back if that's what you're trying to do here. And uh, I'm interested to see how that plays out, although he was um, practicing off to the side this morning. Yeah, right? he was limited today. He um a little bit injured. I mean, I don't want to speculate anything too much. It wasn't – it was him, you know, Stone Blanton was off to the side on an exercise bike. Uh, Kawan Banks, um, saw Emory Floyd go off late. Uh, just – bumps and bruises for lack of a better term is kind of what it looked like. I wouldn't say I saw anybody today that I don't think can play week one, except Jalen Nichols, obviously, but we already knew that. Um, just stuff to keep an eye on through camp. Remember this time last year, we did the Kai Kroger thing because he missed practices. He wasn't hurt. We weren't sure if he was going to be healthy week one. Yeah. Um, and another one to add to that list, Tyreek Johnson was yep. uh, practicing. In a blue jersey. In yep. Blue jersey, no contact jersey. Um, now on the positive front, we saw the return of Mo Kaba and Jordan Strayan, who both were practicing in full seemingly today. Mm-hmm. Um, no knee brace, or they're still wearing knee braces, but um, that's the first time we've seen them out there like doing stuff since last fall. And one more positive injury note that I'm going to choose to take with a grain of salt because we've kind of seen how this staff has handled injuries over the past few years, and it's not always uh, what they've had an optimistic view, I guess, of uh, timelines and stuff, but. It, Allegedly, yesterday, Jalen Nichols and some of the staff uh, think that he could be back by midseason-ish. Uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition. We know that I'm he not definitely as optimistic on that either. But yeah, we know that he definitely tore some things uh, in spring game. He had to have off-season surgery. It would be a pretty aggressive timeline to get back that soon, uh, but maybe uh, that would be great. Uh, that they could definitely use him if he is feeling healthy by that point. He said himself, we talked to him that like his best case is a little bit after halfway through the year. Again, I think if you're talking about what would that be like week eight, week nine, that's still a that's still an aggressive timeline, and B that still puts you out of five, six, seven pretty important games on a front-loaded schedule. So take it wherever you want. Um. All right. You wrote an article yesterday called 10 Tidbits from South Carolina's Media Day. Let's kind of go through a couple of those things real quick. And if you want to expand on anything, I think you already mentioned a little bit that uh, Beaver was very high about the strength and conditioning program over the summer. Um, he said that the average squat on the team went up 50 pounds, which is pretty, pretty impressive, uh, especially like you're, you're thinking. He, he said, you know, these are veteran players, too. It's not people that are just coming into a strength and conditioning program for the first time. Um, we talked a bit about the offensive line. That's mm-hmm. something that uh, Beamer sort of mentioned is a big fall battle that he's looking for himself. Uh, I don't think we noted this morning. Uh, you kind of had a first team offensive line, but obviously that's very tensive. It was going against air. Um, but we saw Sidney Fugar slotted right in at right tackle. Uh, Jakai Moore slotted in at left tackle. Um, who was at center again? It was Vershawn Lee at center, Vershawn and we had Gargiulo at left guard and Trey Jones at right guard. Right. So uh, not necessarily exactly how it's going to play out. Uh, I will say, though, um, you say it's not how now, necessarily. But... I think there's a very good chance Vershawn's starting center. 
I think almost by default, Ja'Kai Moore's left tackle. He's the only player on the roster who's ever played left tackle in South Carolina. Um, I think there's a very good chance you've got Gargiulo at left guard too, just try to solidify at least one side of it. So maybe the right side still got questions. I know Tyshawn Watermaker is definitely going to be in the mix at right tackle too. Um, yeah, but I don't know if that's as far off as maybe it thinks. I think honestly, maybe your question is who's lined up where specifically and what does six through eight look like as much as one through five? Yeah, and yeah, how much can you depend on the depth of that rotation? Uh, yeah. So hopefully some questions that will get answered before September 2nd, 3rd, 2nd. Um, what else stood out to you from <laughs> them running through some drills this morning? Uh, you know, do we know who our starting wide receiver group is? Do we know who our starting running back is going to be? Anything? Uh do you know anything? No, it's August 4th, 29 days from kickoff. It was seven periods of the first practice. Can you look at some things? We saw some 12 personnel. That was something I talked to Jody Wright about yesterday. Um, there's a lot of tight ends here, and you got to figure out how that's going to work. Trey Knox listed as a tight end, maybe receiver, maybe we'll see how that goes. But Josh Simon, Nick Elksness, you've got Connor Cox here, you've got Reed McKexka here. McKexa, uh, the freshman from Texas. Um, there's just a lot of tight ends here that are all going to have to figure out roles. And I do think there is a lot of, there is a lot of two tight end stuff coming. There's a lot of different things you can do. You can have Knox and Simon out there together in a, you know, in an obvious passing down. I think Nick Elksness is probably going to lean being towards more your blocking tight end type um, short yardage situations. You've got the two freshmen there. Um, that was kind of taking away. We saw, again, they took snaps against air, but we saw two tight ends set in that situation. And then that also, bounces back off things that we're talking about yesterday. So tight ends, keeping a look at that too. So in that two tight, tight end set, you're saying both were on the line? Yeah, it was Simon and Elksness in that one with a, with a second team. It was Doty at quarterback. And then Trey, it was a one tight end on the first team. It was Trey Knox. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I was going back and watching some of the last few games of the season. I watched the Tennessee game, the Clemson game, and the Notre Dame game uh, in the last couple of weeks just to kind of see what had changed in the offense, see what things might carry over. And one of the biggest things that stood out to me from those rewatches was Nate Atkins and the way that yeah. they were moving him around. Um, they put him in the backfield a lot, brought him in as an extra blocker, which I think opened up uh, some a little bit a little bit more time for Spencer Rattler to sit back there and start to pick, pick apart secondaries. So I do think, especially with this uh, O-line that's a little bit shaky, you might see some tight ends mm -hmm. even used creatively like that to uh, brought into the backfield to pick pick up a blocker uh, or to, to create an extra blocker, I guess. So. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily a like-for-like, one-for-one thing. I think there's obviously different skill sets, but if you maybe had to do it that way last year to this year, okay, Trey Knox is the Gene Bell. That's the playmaker. That's the vertical threat. Josh Simon's the Stogner. Maybe that's more of a red zone thing. Also some blocking. Um and Elksness is probably more than Nate Atkins if you kind of had to do it that way. I don't necessarily know if it's going to play out that way exactly, but that's the closest comp, I guess, if you're just trying to take last year's apples to this year's apples. Another thing that we were discussing this morning uh, was you said that the linebacker group kind of stood out to you as a group that is looking a lot different um, from last year. It's, it's something that we've targeted a little bit uh, this offseason as, I think, a potential strength of the defense. Um, and again, not taking anything away from the two six-year seniors last year, um, but 
through injuries and just, you know, ability or whatever, it's possible that you're going to have more talent in that linebacker room uh, this year, but obviously you're, you're giving away some of that that's veteran uh, insight or whatever that you had. Last kind year. Of, I almost think that's a microcosm for this roster in general as a linebacker room is just the more talented, less experienced. I think you're going to see that in a lot of positions. Um, I think you probably have more raw offensive line talent, less experience linebacker for sure. I think, Maybe even an edge, although maybe that might take another recruiting class. Um, a more talent, less experience. I do think there is a, you know, assuming Stone Blanton's healthy, assuming Mo Kaba can get up to game speed. He told me he was about 85% yesterday when we talked. Um, addition by subtraction almost. I don't mean that as a shot, at, again, at Brad or Sherrod, but Puff Howard looks the part. He's been here since December. He was in Gator Bowl practices. Stone Blanton looked the part, especially in run stopping at different points last year. Debo Williams seems he looks bigger too. He looks ready. He's a senior now. That's kind of your leadership left. We all, Bo Cabo was a starter last year before the injuries. Um, I think this is a better linebacker room, and you're just going to have to live with some mistakes now and then, especially from Stone and Pop as the younger guys there. And it's just going to happen. And that's not even to mention Jerron Willis, who yep. is a transfer from Auburn. I uh, didn't play a ton of Auburn, but he was a four star. Um, as he entered Auburn, and he's a true sophomore, I believe, or maybe even a redshirt freshman. Yeah, I, I would have to look that up again. But um, yeah, so you you definitely have some young talent uh, to go along with Mokaba and Debo Williams, who have kind of been there and, and seen it a little bit. Um, I think that that's one of your key questions heading into this season: is can you stop the run? Um, I actually looked back statistically at the run defense for South Carolina last year. Guess where they finished in rush yards per game given up. I know it starts with a one and not number one or number 10. Um, it's a, is it like yeah. 117 or something? I feel like I might've looked at this during media days. That's actually exactly what it was, 117th. Yeah. Um, that is not good. I don't think that you can uh, have a repeat performance of that and have the sort of season that you want to have. Um, so, I mean, and like we said, you're, you're thin at edge, maybe. Uh, with the way that you shuffle things around, you end up better at holding the edge, at least in the run game, while giving up a little bit of uh, pass rush off the edge uh, with speed or whatever. Um, but I actually think maybe you make that trade off that because you just trust your DBs uh, to be able to cover back there um, and stop the run a little bit more. And I think you, you still probably come out better in that situation, probably force more third downs, uh, third and longs, and, and get off the field a little bit more than they did last season. Because, yeah, I think it's easy to remember how the season ended on such a high note. Um, but there was, there was several times where they literally just could not get off the field on third down last year uh, and probably – gave away a couple games that they should have won. I mean, including the Gator Bowl, really. Like, you go back and Logan Diggs and Estimate. Yeah. Uh, um, SMA, yeah. yeah were, I mean, they carried uh, Notre Dame uh, to that back and forth sort of when, when South Carolina had several opportunities to put it away if they could just make one stop. So that's, that's going to be key, I think. Um, other tidbits from yesterday. We didn't mention this when we were talking about the freshmen, but I thought uh, – it was interesting. We, we've already seen this staff do a really good job at identifying in-state talent that might be a little bit underrated, uh, under the radar, 
and then they show up on campus and, and blow up. We saw this with Nick Emmett Warrior. We saw this with DQ Smith. Um, I'm not saying that Judge Collier is going to necessarily live up to those levels of expectation. I mean, uh, Nick Emmett Warrior is on the preseason uh, Nagurski list or yeah. whatever as a true sophomore. Like, he has exceeded all expectations at this point. But uh, Judge Collier has already gained 20 pounds of muscle, uh, he said yesterday at the media days, which um, he was a little bit not undersized. He's plenty tall enough, but he was a late bloomer uh, when he gained his height and he was a little bit, you know, thin. Uh, but now that he's filled out some, I could definitely see him. I don't know about contributing this year, but contributing long term to that debut. Yeah, that's it's, you know, there's a lot of people you talked to yesterday. I'll ask a lot of people, you know, what's different about you? Where were you? Where are you now versus where your game was 12 months ago? And you get mixed answers from people and got a very straightforward answer from Judge Collier, which stuck out to me. And it's kind of why I wrote about it a little bit, just that, yeah, I'm 20 pounds stronger now. That was very point blank from him. It was, yeah, it was 180 when I got here. I'm 200 now. I'm stronger. I'm, what does that mean for playing football this year? I don't know. That is still, I still feel like you're pretty good at corner right now. That was actually one position, you know, Shane was asked yesterday about what he needs to see from people or what positions he needs to kind of still learn about in camp. And he said, we've got our top two corners. We need to know who's number three. Um, you, the fact that you have your top two corners set with Marcellus Dial and Donald Fortune, you're in pretty good shape there. I don't, there's not a lot of teams that can say that for sure. Um, but what does the rest of that room look like? Obviously, you play a 4 2 5. It's going to be some, you're going to need a nickel back. Is that where David Spaulding comes in? Maybe. Um, but I do think there's still snaps up for grabs there, especially because the secondary was banged up last year a lot. And they want guys that can play safety, nickel, and corner that can rotate. Um, and there will be snaps up for grabs for, for freshmen in that room. Yeah, and I think Marcellus Dial and David Spaulding both are guys that have been around for a bit. You've probably heard their name some, but they probably got overlooked uh, by the two NFL draft picks last year. But I think they're going to slot in and do just fine. Um, and O'Donnell Fortune as well. Uh, another interesting thing is your top four starting DBs are all from the state of South Carolina, which is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know if that factors in as far as motivation or, or whatever, but um, the, the back end, I think you feel good about the question is, can you stop the run? Can you create a little bit of a pass rush? Uh, we'll have to see. It's going to be tested almost immediately, especially the pass rush. <laughs> yeah, then we're going to talk about that more, I'm sure, that week. But if you give Drake May time to pick you apart, he's going to. Um, they're going to have to find a way to get some pressure, too. Also, middle of that defensive line. you got a new coach there, Travian Robertson. We saw him out there today. You just lost an NFL day two pick there with Zach Pickens, a guy who's been in this program for a long time. What's the replacement looking like there? I know you're not going to replace Zach Pickens, but is you're between Tonka Hemingway, Boogie Huntley, maybe some of these freshmen, Xavier McLeod, Elijah Davis. Where do those snaps come from? You're losing MJ Webb, too, who played quite a bit last year. Where do the snaps come from? How are you making up the math there? I think is another question. And we both talked back in the spring that Elijah Davis was someone that flashed a lot uh, mm -hmm. in the spring, has pretty high expectations coming out of Juco, already has uh, you know, the body of a, a junior. Um, so he's, he's ready for the SEC load a little bit, I think. Um, I, I think that, that that interior rotation is going to be okay. The question is, what do you do at edge? Um, can you get some of those young guys to come along? fast enough do you um, feel good about the young guys inside that you can kick tonka outside right or elijah davis who we saw play a little right. bit on the outside in the spring as well um 
yeah, I mean, you still have Xavier McLeod, highly rated. Um, is he big enough yet ready to take on a SEC offensive line? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe you can work him in for a few snaps a game if you have a particular passing situation or something where you need to throw uh, some experience in an edge. That'll, that'll be interesting to see. Um, another thing that we saw today was the wide receivers sort of line up in their first groups. And I also saw uh, in your media tidbits yesterday that the wide receivers got talked about a little bit. We know that the three returners, uh, Amarian Brown, Xavier Legette, and uh, Juice Juice Wells, uh, are pretty much slotted in as starters, um, going to get plenty of snaps, whatever. The question is, who is next in line? Um, a name that we've heard a lot and that you actually saw line up with the ones today, although he lined up in Juice's spot, which is obviously not going to happen uh, against UNC. But we heard a lot in bowl prep, a lot in the spring. Omega Blake, um, another in-state guy out of Rock Hill. Um, I believe he's a rising junior. Um, hasn't done a ton uh, throughout his career thus far. But um, maybe he's kind of taken that next step um, and can work into that rotation and then you have Eddie Lewis, who came in here from Memphis as a transfer. He might factor into permit turn um, and also into like that Josh Van sort of role on the offense. Um, anything else you saw at, with that group? Uh, you saw Peyton Mangrum get in with the twos there. That's the walk-on who was put on scholarship last season, played a little bit down the stretch, some in the bowl game, a lot on special teams still. But that's another guy I think they might think might be able to catch passes there. Um, that was about it on that front. I think what's really kind of interesting is your target share between tight ends and wide receivers and how that looks this year. Cause yes, you feel good at wide receiver. You have juice back. That's your game breaker. You got Leggett back. He's been here a while. Marion Brown, they did a lot of with last year, just kind of in the passing game, but your tight end room's loaded too. Um, and you at least feel, you know, at least one of those guys in Knox is a bona fide SEC playmaker from his time in Arkansas. So what does that share look like? Kind of how are you splitting up targets? I'm almost as interested as that as much as I am the receiver depth chart, because I think a lot of these tight ends are going to end up being passing game weapons as much as anything, or even as much as these receivers are. Yeah, and you have to replace the production of Jalen Brooks um, and Josh, Josh Van. Yep. I do think Xavier Leggett could take a step forward. We saw a little bit of that uh, at the end of the season. The Gator Bowl, yeah. An absolutely ridiculous catch in the Gator Bowl, uh, where he kind of caught it in the back of the end zone, got his foot down. Uh, he had a couple of touchdowns in the Gator Bowl. We saw uh, in the kick return game uh, him return at 100 yards versus Texas A&M, break a couple of tackles, outrun everyone. So he seems to have the skill set. It's can he put it all together and be someone that Spencer Rattler relies on consistently on a game in and game out basis. Um, if he can become that. And then you have Amari. I mean, you have uh, Juice Wells as your one. I think you're feeling pretty good, especially with that tight end room. Um, if he doesn't, then someone else is going to have to step up and, and kind of be that reliable option because we know that people are going to blanket Juice Wells. That's the big question this year. That's It's kind of the, um, all right, Juice Wells isn't going to sneak up on anybody this year. Maybe that was an unknown commodity last year. Maybe, I don't know, caught some teams by surprise isn't the right word, but he's the guy this year. He's the one he's going to see the other team's best cornerback most weeks. I would assume where does that look like elsewhere? What does that mean elsewhere? Who does that open things up for? I think is probably your question. Yeah. 
Um, and then as far as running back goes, we've talked a lot about it, but it seems like all signs at this point are pointing to Dakari and Joyner potentially going with the ones again today. Look bigger. Yeah, yeah it's that seem. I don't know that's going to work, but they seem all in on that. The chips are in the middle of the table, and they have been since March. To be fair. Yeah, and then obviously you have Mario Anderson working into uh, that rotation, and then Juju McDowell, who's more of a change of pace guy, but he's obviously going to get a few touches of the game uh, as he has since a freshman, uh, because he can he can make some electric things happen if he gets a little bit of space. Um, you, I don't think you have to do a ton in that run game, except for just keep teams honest, uh, keep teams where they don't they can't just pin their ears back and rush uh, the passer on every single play. If you can do enough, I'm saying like a uh, hundred to 120 yards a game, uh, like combined, that's, not that's even still a big ask. Person. I think that's still a big ask with this group though, what you're looking at right now. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be tough. Um, but I think you're going to have to find a way to piece that together and, you know, they're doing everything they can, right? You have your, uh, gadget quarterback, uh, wide receiver that has gone all in to become a running back. You have Cameron Sandlin, who uh, they wanted to put a tight end, but they're slotting back there. I mean, you're you're taking your athletes on the team and, and putting them back there and hoping something good happens, and and maybe it will. I, I it, w- it won't surprise me if it works out. That's going to be scheming as much as anything. That's what Kendall will draw up to keep defenses honest. How does that look on Ontario Hardesty's end? That is going to come down to just what you can do almost in the film room week just to open. Cause you know, you're still working at a talent deficit running back to what you had last year with Marshawn Lloyd there um, with Christian Beal Smith, but can you scheme it together? Can you make it work? Can you make it work? It goes back to what you just said. Can you make it work just enough to keep the pressure off Spencer to, if you get the ball back up six with four minutes left to finish out a game, that's the question. Right. Well, and I think we did see, across those last three games where they had their most offensive success of the season, uh, you were pretty limited on your options at running back. Lloyd mm-hmm. was hurt a lot of those games. You had Jaheim Bell back there yep. uh, running a bit. Uh, Christian Bill Smith was hurt a lot of that time. Lloyd transferred out before the bowl game. You had Juju McDowell and uh, Jaheim Bell, and that was kind of it uh, at running back. So we've seen them be creative and it work enough, um, which I think, yeah, should make you feel at least – somewhat confident uh going into the season but you got to keep defensive defenses honest because uh the second you play a decent defensive line uh with a decent pass rush pass pass rush and you can't run the ball at all you're going to be in a lot of trouble i think yeah and that's i don't know if that's coming week one but it's definitely coming once you get into the sec schedule and you're looking at that first sec game specifically um it's gonna have to come together quick um all right i think that's about all i had did you have anything else that we didn't hit on from the last couple of days no i think that's about what we have from practice today from media day yesterday um we're we're back into it it's uh we're four weeks from tomorrow if you want to count week zero if you if you guys are excited about vanderbilt in hawaii we're three weeks from college football tomorrow Um, actually i actually did have one more thing um something kind of interesting i thought from the press release put out by the university after practice today. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read the direct quote and then we can discuss it here for a second uh, as our last thing. So uh, they got Beamer coming off the practice field talking about how it went. 
And he said, it was great to be back here on day one. There was a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, and a lot of youth. I thought we did some good things. The biggest concern is our ability to maintain as the practice goes. I thought one side of the ball defensively got better as the day went, and the other side kind of allowed fatigue to set in a little bit. I know we're in shape. We have to be better. But I like the workman-like attitude. We just have to continue to build that mental toughness. So is that just like coach speak trying to motivate your team in the press? I mean, they didn't even have to put out anything today, right? Um, or is that something that you think might be a legitimate concern? And did you read that as he's saying like the second group defense was lagging or that defensively they were fine, but offensively they were lagging? I read it that way personally. I read yeah. that because he doesn't use the word uh, we're picking apart a university approves practice <laughs> yeah. quote here, but um hey it's it's day one we gotta <laughs> he doesn't gotta start uh, to he doesn't use it. the word first team there he you know he says one side of the ball as in right. to me that means defense and not offense um which we heard some last year too at this time the defense is ahead of the offense and i think that's to be expected um especially when you're still working through a new system too i got some notes on the offensive install from a story last week if you're subscribed um that's i guess how i would take that that the defense is ahead of the offense right now um I mean, that's, that's just a, I got. just just a coach speak from day one sort of thing. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that anyone should read too much into that and be overly concerned that there's a bunch of people that are being lazy or, or not putting forth effort or anything like that. Um, but yeah, maybe uh, he is trying to motivate certain individuals. Um, and, and we've talked kind of about all of the turnover on defense, whereas the offense is at least somewhat more solidified from last year to this year so it could be as much as just like reminding the veterans like hey no you still got to give effort uh, just because you're not uh just because you, you feel like your position sort of solidified you still have to go at it um this this month is going to be very important uh you you don't get a warm-up game you got to be ready to go and firing also on all cylinders in about 28 days yeah and then just giving you guys a little bit of a look at kind of where this goes from here. Obviously, they're going to keep practicing. The next practice is tomorrow. Media is not coming to that. Um, next open practice is six periods, so we're losing a period. On Monday afternoon, a um, couple media availabilities with players next week, and then they're playing a closed scrimmage at Williams-Brice next week that we can talk to the or after, but you obviously can't watch. That would be their the staff's first chance to see something resembling a game from these players and after that you're about halfway through camp and you're within two weeks of the opener so that's kind of what this looks like the next week or so um just for you guys out there yep and anytime we're allowed to be there we will be there and have some live updates for you on gamecocksgroup.com and some follow-up we'll try to piece together uh those closed scrimmages as best we can uh through what we hear uh afterwards what we hear from whatever sources we can find and uh try to get that to you but in the meantime, just be excited. It's back. Football season's here. Um, we will be back here next week around Thursday or Friday to talk about um, everything that's happened. And, yeah, one more time, just a little teaser to check out GameCraftScoop.com around 6 p.m. tonight. I think you'll enjoy what you see. Uh, until next time, this has been the GameCraftScoop.com podcast. We'll see you later.